Good evening, everybody. Okay, I apologize for a few minutes late. Uh, all right, we are picking up Hachos Brachos. Hachos. Okay, so last time when we left off, we spoke up and we were talking about the concept of Hefsek, interruptions in a bracha. <clears throat> and we spoke specifically about the last thing that we dealt with was the was if a person um, did some interrupted with something that was with, on, under the subject of the bracha itself, whether or not that's considered an interruption or not. Now we need to get to we're on if you, for anybody that's following with the book we're on page seventy nine, um, section D. So at which point may one speak freely? At what point is it considered? <coughs> excuse me. At which point is it considered that? Um, one has now made the bracha, and the bracha has attached itself, so to speak, to whatever it is that I'm making the bracha on. So therefore, there's no longer a possibility of being mafsek, of making a break in between what I'm doing and the bracha itself. So, the halacha says as follows. One may not speak until the bracha has taken effect, which is that, so if you chew the food and enjoy its taste, you still are not Yotze. You know, it's not a lot of times I, what I see is people, they, they pop the pieces of food in their mouth and already they're ready to talk. They're ready to go, especially, you know, the kids are not you know, holding on to those words is a little bit difficult. Um, so that's that's not okay. Um, a bracha is recited on food, only on food, which is to be swallowed, which brings us to the interesting shell about what about gum? Does a person make a bracha when you choose gum? We're not going to deal with that tonight. But um that is it does that does bring up that shiloh because um the question is is the the benefit of the food um what we call hanaos gorono the the benefit that one has in one's throat or the benefit that one has in one's stomach that's a that's a that's a a big shiloh um with regards to the brachos but at the very least one has to swallow the food so um if a person actually did speak while chewing, that's a machokas aposkin, whether or not whether or not you would have to make a new bracha. Um, and of course, because following the rule, the following the rules of Suffolk Brachos Lahakel, that we always go with the more lenient opinion. So then we would not, we would not uh, would not make another bracha, would not make a new bracha. But um, ideally you should not speak until you swallowed something. If you swallowed a bit of the food or even the juice from the food, um, then you certainly do not need to repeat the bracha. So a bracha takes effect after one swallows a minute amount of food, since even a minute amount requires a bracha. And then you can speak freely after that first morsel is swallowed. Ideally, however, some posts can say that you have to have up to a kazayas. You have to have a, uh, the size of an olive, approximately 28 cubic centimeters, um, about 28 grams if you're dealing with water, um, of, of food. Um, it's a small amount. It's not, it's not very large. But uh, it is important that one that one that one does that. Okay, okay. So which brings us now, all the the, the discussion until now has been specifically about uh, an, an interruption between the bracha and whatever it is that I'm making the bracha on. There is one more category of hefsek of making brachos of interrupting in the middle of brachos um, that we do have to deal with. Which is a which is an interruption in the bracha itself. But, but just before that, I just want to point out one more thing, one more type of hefsek that comes up. I don't remember. I think we might have touched on this last week, but it's worthwhile. It's worth reviewing. 
<clears throat> so again, <coughs> for those of you that are following me in the book, we're on page 80. Um, so uh, um, that is, the, if a person makes a bracha in one place where you are, whatever room you're in, wherever you happen to be standing, and then you walk out, out of that place, you go into a different place in order to um, continue that is a that is problematic. In other words, if, let's say, for instance, you are running late to work. Mm -hmm. So you made yourself a cup of coffee and you had one of your kids carry the cup of coffee out to the car for you. And then you made the, for whatever reason, you made the shahakal inside the house and you run out to the car to go to go drink the coffee in the car. That's, that is a half sick. Going from one place to another um, without actually having minyotzi the bracha, that's an interruption in the bracha. And that would that that uh, that would that bracha you would not be yotzei with you would have to make a new bracha in that situation. That that would uh, so changing places between the time that I between the time that I made the bracha and whatever the bracha is going on that requires a that will require a new bracha. Okay. What about if I made a hefsek in the bracha itself? Meaning, for some some reason, I interrupted in the middle of a bracha. How does it happen? Let's say you're together with a bunch of people. And you're about to start making a bracha, and somebody else makes a bracha just a little faster than you. And they say you say, and they and you want to answer Amen to their bracha. Or or one of your kids, you know, uh, in the you're in the middle of saying a bracha, and one of your kids, you know, interrupts you, or the phone rings, or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, and you interrupt in the middle of the bracha. So what what what's the what how do we how do we deal with that? And what's even more common than that is. Um, and this is something that I, I, I don't know why it is that there seems to be such widespread, um, uh, I don't want to call it, people's not realizing um, that Sukkot de Zimra, the entire uh, introductory paragraphs uh, before you start Birkos Kriyashma, or the Birkos Kriyashma themselves are are all one long bracha. In other words, you start a bracha, Baruch Sha'amra Vahayah you end off um, at the end of Yishabach, that is all one long bracha. That whole thing's a long bracha. That's what we call a bracha aruka. So, with regard to this halacha of interrupting in the middle of a bracha, there is a difference between a bracha katsara, a short bracha, which is like whatever the subject happens to be, whatever, whatever that bracha happens to be, and a bracha arucha, which has a bracha in the beginning. A long subject matter, whatever it happens to be, like Sukkot Zimra, for instance, or Hallel, for another example of that. Um, benching would be another example of that, and then a bracha at the end that ends that ends it off. Now, benching is a little bit a little bit different because each one of the brachos in benching are, a, are a bracha bifneatzmo. So, in between those brachos or the birkos kriyashma, in between the birkos kriyashma, it might be a little bit different. But let's focus on. A bracha katsara first. When it comes to a bracha katsara, a short bracha, so a person makes a bracha and he says, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. The critical component of that bracha is, there are two parts to it. There's Baruch Hashem, there's Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, which, which, which has to follow with the Hashem, Baruch Hashem, and then whatever the subject is. If a person interrupted between Baruch Hashem and Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, then you basically you've cut off your bracha from its main source of what it really is. That bracha is not a bracha. You're going to have to repeat it. Um, so again, you say Baruch Hashem, and one of your kids, you know, does something really crazy, and you turn around to yell at them. Now you got to make a new bracha, right? What happens if 
uh, you're in the middle of davening, you come into shul, walk into shul, um, not, not, you know, not this crowd, but you walked in a few minutes late, so you're a little bit behind, and but as you're getting up to Oz, Oz Yashir, right, so they're already starting Kaddish, and they say, they say they got to, or they end off with the brach of Yishtabach, right, so you want to know, should I say Amen after Yishtabach, or should I say Amen Yeheshmei Rabbah after Kaddish, or they start, you're in the, you're <clears throat> you're in the middle of Birkas Kriyashma, and and they start saying Kedusha. Do I say Kedusha with them? So there, the halacha is a little bit, when it comes to a bracha arucha, when it comes to a long bracha, the, the halachas are a little bit more complex. Um, what, I, what I interrupt for and what I don't interrupt for are, 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 um, are, are not as straightforward. Because what you have is a, bracha, a whole bracha at the beginning, like Baruch Sha'amar, or the beginning of the bracha of Birkas Krishma, and then you have a whole bunch, bunch of subject matter, and then you have another bracha to close. So interrupting in the middle of that bracha does not invalidate the bracha in the same way. So let's say I'm saying, let's say I'm saying Pesukah de Zimra, and, and, uh, and, and uh, okay, so, so because it doesn't invalidate the bracha in the same way, so therefore there are certain things that not only uh, are you are you not interrupting the bracha, but you actually should answer to? So Amen Yeheshmei Rabbah would be one of them. The bracha Amen on the bracha of Hakel Hakadosh would be another one of them. Um, bracha and the, somebody finishing off Yishtabach would be another another one. Uh, to answer Kedusha would be another one. Those are the types of things that you would answer in the middle of, and it would not be considered uh, an interruption. Okay. Does it also for and you're still finishing up Shmona Esrei already. Okay. So Mrs. Mrs. Ben is asking for those of you that can't hear. What about if what if somebody is in the middle of their Shmona Esrei? Can you and I, can I interrupt my Shmona Esrei? The answer to that is Shmona Esrei is different. Shmona Esrei is unique. It is true. It is it, first of all Shmona Esrei is a series of long brachos. That's essentially what Shmona Esrei is. But but Shmona Esrei is different than everything else. We never interrupt in the middle of Shemun Esri. So you don't answer Amin Yishmirava, you don't answer Kedusha, nothing. There are, there, here's the exceptions. There's two, two exceptions. First of all, after you said the last bracha um, at the end of Shemun Esri, Hamavarech HaSamon Yisrael Bashalom, that's the last bracha, you say the words, Yiv L'Ratzon Yimri Fi V'Hegel Nimi L'Vanecha Hashem Tzuri V'Ga'ali, right? You say that line, which in some Siddurim it's printed before, some Siddurim it's only printed after right before Ose Shalom, it's worthwhile to make sure to insert it after, to say after you've said that last bracha at that point you could answer to Kedusha and you could answer to Kaddish and you could answer to a bracha that somebody says you could answer Amin. During your Shemana Esrei, the ideal thing to do is to simply be silent um, along with along with while the Tzibur is saying, you just stop davening, you listen silently it has a little bit of a halach of Shomer Ka'one, which gets us into a discussion if Shomer Ka'one, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, whether or not Shomer Ka'one is like I actually say it or not. But that, that's, be that as it may, you, 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 you listen, but you don't actually say it. The biggest, the bigger problem, the bigger shallow is what happens if I'm saying my Shmon Esrei and they get to Modim and everybody bows down, then that, there you have a much bigger shallow because <clears throat> the Gemara has a discussion in Brachos, the Gemara, is a, in Brachos Yudal, the Gemara has a discussion about somebody who walks behind a Beis HaKnesses and doesn't go in. So the Gemara says that it looks like that person is rejecting is rejecting the, what the Beis HaKnesses does. Or if somebody somebody says, say when, you, when they say Shema, 
Again, if you haven't started Birkas Kriya Shema, you're supposed to say Shema along with the Tzibur, that it shouldn't look like you're rejecting what they're doing. Similarly, when they bow down from Modim and you don't bow down, it looks like you're saying, everybody else is bowing down to Hashem, I don't bow down to Hashem. That's a separate problem that has to be dealt with. How do you catch up? What's the right time to start saying Shema Hashem, not start saying Shema Hashem, etc., that, that many people are not necessarily aware of. So, again, when it comes to a bracha katsara, a short bracha, which is which has Shema Malchus, followed by the subject matter of the bracha, any interruption in that bracha that will detach the shame from the malchus or the shame and malchus from the subject of the bracha is considered, invalidates that bracha, and therefore you would have to repeat the bracha if you if you interrupted. You should not answer in the moon, you're in the middle of a bracha, amen yeshmei you should not answer amen to somebody else's bracha, you should definitely not be saying anything to anybody else. In a bracha aruka, so for instance, in the middle of halal, in the middle of sukkah zimra, if you're in the middle of one of the brachas of Birkas Kriyashma, it's a little bit different. A bracha arucha has a long text, and inserting extra words does not necessarily distort the basic structure of the bracha. So therefore, one may not interrupt the recital of a bracha arucha to say anything which is not an in- integral part of that bracha. However, one who does speak while saying bracha need not repeat the bracha, even if the interruption was deliberate. And therefore, one should interrupt the bracha ruchot to answer Amin Yeshmeraba, Kedusha or Baruchu, but those rules are limited to one who speaks during during the recital of the central. That, that's all if you're in the middle of the bracha. But if you interrupt the prefix or the suffix of the bracha, you have the same problem as you have with a bracha kitzar with a short bracha, and therefore it would be that would that would that would force you to have to repeat the repeat that bracha. So that brings us to the end of this discussion on what is considered a in in bracha, uh, what's what's considered a hefsek and not a hefsek? There is one more halacha with regard to in the background of brachos and the chashivas and the importance. I'm saying the importance of brachos and the fundamental understanding of brachos themselves. I'm and now if you're looking inside the book, I'm now skipping over the summary, which you can look over yourselves. We're skipping to part seven, which is reciting a hundred brachos a day. The concept of mea brachos. Now, let's make a very quick cheshbon. In terms of mayor brachos, how how could how does how does a person get to make a hundred brachos a day? So <clears throat> that's there's two things I want to point out over here. For number one is it, it it takes very quick, especially if you don't have to make the bracha all the brachos yourself, which that's not pashit. Reb Shlomo Kluger writes in a footnote in Shulchan that if a person listens to a bracha that somebody else was saying and answers amen to that bracha, it's as though he said the bracha himself. And we'll get into it in a little bit, just in just a little bit, the chashivas, the importance of saying amen and how, how critical that is. So then what you have is as follows. You have three times, you say shemana three times a day. Again, let's assume, let's take it from a man's perspective for a moment. We'll come back to the ladies in a second. But in, from, from a man has to daven three times a day, each time that you daven is 19 brachas. I know we call it Shmona Esra, 18 brachas, but as you, I'm sure you all know, that during the times of the, after Chorman by Shani, after the destruction of the Second Temple, they instituted uh, a fixed liturgy, and then soon after that, they instituted a bracha of Elamal Shinim al Sikva, those that slander, uh, slander you to the government that Hashem should punish them. Um, it was during a particularly tumultuous period in Jewish history when people were slandering 
Jews were slandering other Jews, unfortunately, to the Roman government and causing people to be killed. It forced the Sanhedrin to have to disband and to have to go into exile numerous times. So they, they composed this bracha called uh, Birkas Haminim, the bracha against people who uh, are attempting to destroy Yiddishkeit. Some would want to say that Minim means specifically Christians. I'm not sure that it was only against Christians. It could be that it was also against Baitusim and Tzedukim and Baitusim. Um, who were the, the Sadducees and the Baitusim, we don't even have an English word for them, I don't think, as far as I know. They're not much lesser known group that rejected the authority of the Chachamim and only accepted Torah Shabbat Peh, not Torah Shabbat Shabbat, excuse me, and not Torah Shabbat Peh at all. Um, but uh, that makes it that each that during Arshman Esrei, our 18 brachas are actually 19 brachas, times three is 57, right? If you count every time that I hear Chazar Sashat, if I daven three times a day with the minion, and I count every bracha that I listen to carefully and answer Amin to as a bracha, you're already done, right? Because then you have another 57 and 57 brachas, and you're up to 114. But even without that, even without that, there's 13 birkos hashachar, which already puts you at which already puts you at 60. And then if you go use the bathroom, let's say five times during the day over the course of uh, the 24-hour period, so you so you have a, a numerous ashayatzars. Um, you have to say because you have to say the birkasatera, which is another two brachos, and then you have to say amutesidaim, another bracha, and then you have all the food groups that you eat and you bench. So assuming that you bench at least once a day, so you're easily up to before you even start, before blink, without even blinking, you're up to eighty brachos in a day, and then every time you take a drink and every time etc. So it doesn't take much to get to a hundred brachos a day on a regular day. However, on Shabbos, right, when the Shemona is not so long, there's only seven brachas in the, in the Shemona on Shabbos, seven brachas times three is only 21, right? And then uh, even if you want to add Musaf, that also, that only adds another seven, so that you're only up to 20, you're only up to 28. And then even if you say, oh, well, on Shabbos, I, I eat, I wash, and I bench more often, but still in making up for the shortened, the, that, uh, that shortfall of brachas is not so easy. So, Here's, here's the rules with regard to mea brachos. Are you allowed to make a brachos chain of tzricha, etc.? Those are, those are questions we'll have to deal with. So every, every male is required to recite a minimum of 100 brachos each day. And even though normally one has, could fulfill his obligation to recite a bracha by listening to another person reciting the bracha, the requirement of reciting 100 brachos should ideally be fulfilled by one's own recital. So I mentioned the Rav Kluger, you'll see it in the footnotes, um, that you could be yotze by listening to somebody else, but ideally you should be saying the brachos on your own. So, ordinarily, one who fulfills his ob- obligatory tfilos, eats two bread meats each day, has easily fulfilled the obligation of 100 brachos as well. And in addition, one normally has occasion to recite many other brachos during the course of an average day. So on a weekday, the, bra- the obligation of 100 brachos presents almost no problem in Shabbos and Yantov, however, do present a difficulty. Now, Shmoneser Shabbos contains only seven brachos instead of the usual 19. So consequently, we have to add an additional tefillah of Musaf, the brachas of Kiddush, we still fall short of the desired number of brachas. So Postcom advised that one eat and drink during the course of the day in order to complete the quota of brachas. In the event that that's not possible, one should carefully listen to the brachas of the Torah, Berkas of Torah and the Haftarah, reading and answering Amen. So there, you each the brachas of the Torah, the, 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 the mila of those brachas over, let's say, for instance, Chazar Sashats, is that those people are being motzi you, they are for helping you to fulfill an obligation to be to hear those brachos. So therefore, since they're being motzi you with a bracha that you yourself should be saying, 
Therefore, that is that those are a little better. So, and therefore, that's how you get to 100 brachos. Yom Kippur presents a more difficult dilemma because on Yom Kippur, you're fasting, so you lose out all the benchings. And even though the Shmoneser is a little bit longer, but the Shmoneser itself actually is not, uh, I mean, on Rosh Hashanah, the Shmoneser is long because you have Malchias, Zichronis, and Shaifras, and plus Kedusha Sayom. So you have you have a little bit more, the brachos are a little bit longer. But on, on Yom Kippur, for as long as the Shmoneser is, Right, the, the bulk of that Shmon Esrei is your Vidoy, which comes after Shmon Esrei is over. It really comes after that year Luratzen. It's not a bracha at all. So, um, so on, on uh, Yom Kippur, the, the, it's much more difficult. Some have the custom to smell spices during the course of the day and recite extra brachas that way. Um, or you can count the brachos and the tefillah of the shots, etc. If you listen to them carefully, that's one way to do it. So, there is a shita, there is an opinion out there that says that in order to fulfill this, this is such an important obligation to fulfill 100 brachos in a day, that one may even uh, create a situation, an artificial situation of brachos and tzricha, which is something we mentioned earlier, making unnecessary brachos, meaning you bench, say you see, you're going to have a glass of water and a fruit. So you drink your glass of water, make shahakol, drink your glass of water, make a brain of fashos, and then make a new bracha on the fruit. That's a bracha shayna because you really, what you should do is eat the fruit first, then make a bracha on the water, and then only make up one, one borena fashas instead of two, instead of two bracha chronos. Some posts can say that one could do that. However, that is not ideal. Um, the consensus of post is advised that one should not do that. Now, whether or not women are mechuyev, that's obviously the bottom line. The question is, what about ladies? I said before that you get to 57 brachos by having three tefillos in a day. Many ladies, Davin, you know, even even Nashim Tikanyos, usually Davin maybe two tefillos a day, Davin Chakras and Minkov. And some ladies, you know, it's difficult to even do that, but they, so, they, so they're Yotze with what Rabbi Yashu says to do a Davin at least one tefill a day, but not necessarily more than that. So how do they get to that, or are they Mokhuyev to do that? So he writes over here in the text that women are not required to recite all the tefillos each day, and therefore some posts can say, that they are likewise not obligated to complete 100 brachos. However, I'm sorry, sorry to tell you that on in the note 214 at the bottom of there, he brings from, he brings from a Shevet Alevi, um, uh, uh, from, a, from a Sefer, excuse me, Yashiv Moshe, I'm not sure who that is, who quotes from Rabbi Yashiv, that a women are required to recite 100 brachos each day, just like men are. So in that, if that's the case, um, if you don't have your three Shmon Esres, etc., um, it's a little bit more difficult, but you would have to be very cognizant and keep a very accurate count on brachos that you are trying to say in order to be able to get it up to 100 brachos. Not, it's not going to be so easy. Again, it's doable. You have your Chris Kriyashma, so there's two brachos before and two brachos afterwards, and if you say Damamarv, so you have two brachos and another bracha afterwards, and then you have your Ashriyatars and your bench, if you eat and your bench, and you have your, uh, your snacks during the day, and you have your Birkas HaShachar, Excuse me. All the morning blessings and um, at, at least two shmonasseries, etc. You you can get there. It's possible to get there. Maybe a little bit more challenging, but uh, but again, what, clearly is something that a person should try to do. Okay. What about at night? Yes. You're supposed to wash them before, like. So, anyways, you have to wash after when you're coming out of the bathroom. So, so, so technically, you washed already. So, okay. so, and um, 
So the Allah of Ashayatza is like this. This is not, um, I'm hoping that we're going to get to it, but the Allah of Ashayatza is that you can make that bracha anytime until you need to use the bathroom again. Um, until you need to use the bathroom again. So, um, uh, um, uh, it's not a good idea if you have to get up in the middle of the night. Probably by the time you get up again in the morning, you're probably going to need to do it. You know, right, so so but, so it's ideally you should say it. Ideally you should say it. Yeah, ideally a person should say it. Okay, okay. Now we want to get into briefly before we get into the into the meat and potatoes of uh, of um, of brachos etc. Of making brachos to other people and and that type of thing. Let's talk about a little bit, a little bit about uh, one more um, pre- prelude, if you will, to making brachos, which is which is the answering of amen to somebody else's bracha, and the answering of amen, the chashivas, the importance of answering amen, why we do it, and what exactly it means. So, reciting a bracha is of importance not only to the one who recites it, but to the person who is listening as well, and Chazal mandated then anyone who hears a bracha must respond to it by answering Ami. Now, we're going to get into in a moment what exactly Ami means, what exactly is the kavana behind Ami, what, what am I supposed to be thinking when I say Ami, but like this. In, it is considered a gross transgression not to answer Ami. It's not just a nice thing. It's halacha that you must answer Ami. In fact, not answering Ami is tantamount to rejecting the person who you heard make the bracha to tantamount to rejecting their bracha. Not a good thing. The source for this requirement are the words of Moshe Rabbeinu. The Moshe Rabbeinu said to Kaliso, Kishem Hashem Ekra, when I call out the name of Hashem, you should give uh, greatness, you should, you should, you should um, glorify Hashem. So, um, so that, that, that from there, Chazal learned that there is an obligation to respond to any mention of Hashem's name. It's incumbent upon anybody that hears it to respond to the hearing of Hashem's name. Now, we know that the Ikar Halacha, the, the, the base, the most important Halacha that was in the base of Mikdash, when the Shem HaMafayrash, when the explicit name of Hashem, the one that we do not pronounce, uh, was said, they answered in the base of Mikdash, not Amen, but they said, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusa Lailam Va'ed, they also declared that they were they were blessing or increasing the presence of Hashem's reality in the world, forever and ever. Right? That was the that was the goal. And when you mentioned Hashem's being in the world, which is which is the kavana behind that name of Hashem is that he is transcends time, right? Um, and he's Adon Hakol, he's the master of the whole universe. So that's what you're saying when you say the name of when you say the name of Hashem. So my answer to that is that Hashem should increase, as we said, the, the, the idea of bracha, the word bracha means brecha, to be marbet, to increase Hashem's presence or Hashem's the inflow of Hashem's energy into this world, for lack, again, energy for the lack of a better word, so that we can all benefit from it forever. Outside of the Mesa Mignash, where it is forbidden to actually say the name of Hashem, we substitute the name, which means Hashem is master of the universe. We substitute the name of Agnus. So since that is not actually the Shem of Yochad, it's not actually the specific name of Hashem, so the refrain Baruch Shem Kod Machusai is not warranted. One cannot say Baruch Shem Kod Machusai. However, one has to answer, in, in place of that, a person has to answer Amen. 
Amen is the replacement, just like the name of Adnus is the substitute for the full name of Hashem, saying the name of Hashem out loud, that Amen is, is the substitute for that as well. Um, it is not exactly the same as Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusay. Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusay is almost like an expansion of the bracha that the person already made. They made a connection to Hashem directly through the action or whatever it is that they were doing at that particular moment. And we're saying that there should be a general expansion of Hashem's presence in the universe. The Amen is, in essence, just an affirmation of the of belief. The word Amen is rooted in the word emuna. It means uh, I am a maimon. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with with that reality. Emuna means emuna. The word emuna, the, the word emuna, which we translate as faith, is better translated as faithful. We are faithful to this idea. We accept that there's an expansion of this idea of Hashem's presence in the world. Um, there, the words of the letters amen are an abbreviation for the words. Kel Melach Namon means the all-powerful one who is a faithful, faithful king um, or trustworthy king. So by saying Amen, one is declaring that I believe in that bracha that was just made and I affirm the truth of what was just being said. Not to say that, not to answer Amen, is that I'm refuse, refusing to affirm the statement that that bracha has just made. So that would be prob- that, that's why it's problematic not to actually say Amen. We do have a response of Baruch in an additional manner, which is in essence similar to the response of Baruch Shem Kolei which is when you hear the name of Hashem recited, you say Baruch Hu Baruch Shemo, right? He should be Baruch. He should be Nisraba. He should be increased. He should be. He should be. Uh, for, again, it's the literal translation, blessed. But as we explained, blessed means an increase in the presence of Hashem in the Bria. Um, um, and um and uh and um yeah and 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 we also bless his name which is the essence of what Hashem is so even though it's pr- proper to say baruch hu baruch shemo um in the middle of a bracha um it's not as it's not obligatory to the same level and since it's not an obligation to do so if you're in the middle of another bracha like for instance you're in the middle of sukkah de zimra um one does not interrupt tefillah where an interrupt where their interruptions are prohibited to say Baruch Hu Baruch Similarly, one involved in learning Torah need not interrupt his studies to answer Baruch Hu Baruch But he should, even in the middle of learning, even in the middle of davening, he should answer Amin. I just would end. I would just would add, add on to that one more thing. Since Baruch Hu Baruch is not obligatory, that means that if I'm listening to somebody else's bracha to for him to be motzimi. For him to help me to fulfill my obligation, I'm not going to say Baruch Hu Shemo either because that would be inter- an interruption in the bracha. The bracha is Baruch HaTo Hashem, or Baruch HaTo Hashem, whatever that, that subject is. But by saying Baruch Hu Shemo, I am now interrupted in the middle of that, even though it's in the subject of the bracha and it's in the spirit of the bracha, etc. It's still an interruption. It's a break since it's not an obligation. Therefore, one should not do it. Um, Chazal viewed Amen as the completion of the bracha itself. They see that as like the, the cherry on the top, if you will. It's like the closing point. It's like that Amen adds something to the bracha. Amen is compared to the signature attesting to the validity of a document. 
Um, some even say the idea is like this. It's like it's like the second aid. The person who said the bracha is like the first aid, the first witness who bears testimony. And the person who answers amen is a person who is adding on to that, is adding almost as a seconding the comment that was just made and affirming what's just been said. So, in fact, the Gemara does say that somebody who answers amen is more worthy than the one who recites the bracha himself, right? The bracha itself. Now, again, if the bracha said with the proper kavanah, etc., we'll see in other, in other sources, it explains that, um, that of course the bracha to say the bracha is 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 critical and can't be and can't be can't be taken away from. But the point here is to emphasize the importance of answering amin to brachas that we hear. Several explanations are offered for this assertion that it, that that the bracha that the amin is more important. One novel approach is based on the fact that the obligation to answer amin is based on a Torah source because the pasuk says kishem Hashem whereas the obligation to make a bracha is something that we extrapolate logically that the Gemara says it's also the bracha a person can't have benefit from this world without having made a bracha a person can can it's not it's not proper for a person to enjoy something without thanking the one that gave it to him that's the rationale for making a bracha in the first place. But Amen is because Moshe Rabbeinu said, Kishem Hashem Eka, whenever I, whenever, I, whenever I mention the name Hashem, you have a responsibility to also add on to that. However, authorities nonetheless maintain that one who recites a bracha with utmost kavana, with devotion, is more meritorious than one who merely answers Amen, because that bracha takes more. There's much more that goes, that goes into that. Although Amen is essentially a response to a bracha, incorporating Hashem's name, Amen is an, an actually an affirmation of any statement. The whole statement of Kel Melech Neman says, I believe that Hashem, I've said this often before, you know, the, the, the word, the, na- the name of Hashem, the name, the, the name, the idea of when we say something is il, il means power. Like we say, Hashem. who is amongst, who is like you amongst the Elam? What are Elam? If Elam means gods, we don't believe there are other gods. So what do you mean? We're comparing Hashem to other gods? means who is like you? Who has power like you, Hashem, amongst all the powers that I witness and that I see in the world, whose power is equal to your power? So the, the concept of El means something that has power. So when I say Kel Melech Namon, I'm saying the holy power, the divine power of Hashem, Melech Namon is as a faithful God or a, a God who is who, who is ultimately capable of doing exactly whatever it is that was just said. So it's appropriate to say amen, not only on a bracha, not only when we mention the name of Hashem, but anytime we make a request of Hashem and we, 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 we put ourselves squarely in his hands, we are saying that we want to affirm that statement. So since, uh, since it's an affirmation of whatever statement was just made, one should therefore answer amen to any prayer or supplication, regardless of whether or not it contains Hashem's name. Anytime somebody says to you, somebody says to you, I wish you a long life. Amen. You know, what, what are you saying? What, what are you saying? What, what do you, why are you saying amen? I didn't mention Hashem's name. No, I'm saying amen because you wish, you're wishing me a long life is that I believe, I'm stating when I say amen, then I'm saying I believe that as Hashem that is capable of giving me that power, that giving, making that happen. Right? Similarly, if I say, um, Kel Hashem should please heal this person, right? Now, amen. I answer amen to that. Why? Uh, Hashem should give you a refuah shleima. Amen. Thank you, right? Hashem should give you a refuah shleima because I'm, I'm declaring my that I am faith that I believe or that I have I have um, that I am faithful to the idea. 
that is the Rebbein Shalom that's going to bring about my refuah, the Rebbein Shalom that's going to provide my parnasa, the Rebbein Shalom that's going to do whatever it is that needs to be done. So accordingly, it is a customary in some communities to answer Amen after each harachman in Birkas Amazon. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but um, as you know, the three brachos, everybody knows you're supposed to say Amen for Hazan Esakol, you should also answer Amen on the first bracha, fourth, excuse me, the fourth bracha in Berkas Hamazan in the benching, which is the Olam Al Yechasreinu. That's the end of a bracha, and you answer Amen. For those of you that have ever noticed, there are some people who follow the Minag Hagra, and that's where, where the benching ends, because that's the end of the last bracha. Everything else after that is voluntary. But each of those things that comes after that is also a prayer. Hashem is Harachman, the merciful one, who Yavarech asks, whatever, right? So after each one of those Harachmans, it's customary to answer Amin. Those, 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 those Harachmans are also a bracha. After Misha Beirach, when they, when they make a Misha Beirach and Shul, you answer Amin. And after Yisker, you also, because you're asking for an Aliyah for the Neshama, so you should answer Amin. So we will focus on three aspects of the Dinam Amin. First of all, the proper Kavana. Um, um, the proper intent and concentration that I'm supposed to have for answering Amen, the proper articulation in answering Amen, which we'll see the Gemara is very stringent about that. There are three ways in which it can be, which it can be messed up. Uh, an Amen can be Khatufa, Ketufa, and Ketzara. It can be either cut off at the beginning by not pronouncing the Kamats at the beginning of the Amen properly, but pronouncing it instead as a Shva. Amen. Without actually, there's no ah, right? So you see, so you see, so say like a shva. It could be ketufa. Could be cut short because um, because a person doesn't say, doesn't pronounce the last letter clearly. Amen. Right, and but he didn't say nun. There's a nun at the end of there. That's called that's called. So the first one's called katufa. It's grabbed. It's like. You said it too quickly, so you didn't have time to draw out that first vowel, which is a little bit longer, and you didn't say it properly. The second one's ketufa, you cut it short, because you didn't say, you didn't say the nun at the end of the, you, didn't, you chopped off the nun at the end of the word. And ketzara is to answer amen too quickly, is to say it too short. There's an idea that the amen itself should be said, as we'll see in a few minutes, is so it should take you as long as it takes to say the words kel melech ne'amon. Kel melech ne'amon, amen. Right? It shouldn't just be amen. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be something that you that you're that you're rushing to get out of your mouth, but you have to say it uh, say it correctly. And uh, the situation in which one may or may not answer amen, which we'll see, are actually more than what person actually realizes. As we'll hopefully we'll get to that. So let's so let's at least um, try to cover the proper kavana for answering amen. So the required kavana is as follows. Amen is an affirmation of the bracha, and it is therefore essential that it be said with the proper intent. So if I'm answering Amin on a bracha of Shavach, a bracha birkas Shavach, a bracha which is said in praise of Hashem. So for instance, if a person is saying Shechianu, a person is saying Halal, etc., one who answers Amin to a bracha of praise of Shavach must consciously bear witness that that praise is true, right? Uh, uh, or in a bracha where I say, Sha, even a bracha of Shehakon Yavidvarav, I'm thanking Hashem for the food that he gave me. It's also birkas Shavach. So those brachos, right, um, a person has to have in mind when he answers amen to them that he also wishes to give shavach takash he wishes to give praise to the master of the universe that he has done X, Y, or Z. The second is if I'm answering amen to a bracha, which is a tefillah, which is asking Hashem for something, a supplication. When saying amen to a bracha of 
supplication, of a request, I will put it that way. And again, requests that we make of Hashem are that we're declaring that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the all-powerful one who is capable of giving this to me, which is why I'm making this request of him, that should he see it fit, that this is what I'm, I am deserving of because of my level of connecting to him. Therefore, I should now want to connect to Hashem. One must intend his amen as a bracha, as a, as a tefillah, that the supplication be answered. That's the amen, the kamal. Kamal on Birkas Hashem is, I, I too want to praise Hashem in this way. A bracha on a supplication, on, a, on a, something that that's a mishaberach. Hashem, um, Hashem should give you a four shleima and answer amen. My, my intent should be that I too want that, want that Hashem should give you a refor shleima, right? That I'm, I'm a part of that tefillah. And then you have a combination of the two, um, uh, which are a combination of something that's praise and supplication. So for instance, most of Shemona Esra is that way. It's praise to Hashem that he's the one that provides these things for us, and we're asking him to continue providing them in the future. So many brachas in our day, it's feel our combinations of praise and supplication. So for example, the intermediate brachas of the Amidah, when answering amen to those brachas, one must concentrate on both aspects, thanking Hashem that he's the one that gives us wisdom and that he should continue to give us wisdom. One bears witness that the praise is true and one prays that the request be answered in the, in the proper way. Now, when it comes to proper articulation, I'm going to try, let's try to get through this as well. The pro- I'm sorry? Okay. The proper, the proper articulation is answering amen is, is first of all, it can't be chatufa, as I mentioned before, it has to be pronounced distinctly. It has to articulate the opening aleph carefully, not substitute a shva, not to say it amen, amen, without an ah in the beginning. Um, so that's called mispronunciation. It's called chatufa, which is, means means when uh, a chatof is the same thing as a shva in Lashon HaKodesh. So when I say it that way, it is, it is, it's like it's been snatched out of my mouth. I've said it too quickly. The Aleph came out too quickly. Um, people who impatiently say Amin before the completion of a bracha, uh, that's also a problem. In other words, that, that Amin is, it's snatched, said too quickly before the bracha is over, that is not correct. Then there's what we have, an Amin Ketufa, as I mentioned before. This is something that I mentioned before. If you don't say the last letter, you don't say the nun at the end of the bracha, Amen should be has to be recited as two syllables. Amen. It's two syllables. It's a two syllable word. So, and if you said Amen, so you made the first, and you just have the first syllable, but you don't have a second syllable, so then you're going to lose the nun at the end of the word. And you have to be careful to, to one should be careful to articulate all of the letters. And then you have what's called an Amen Ketzara. Um, an amen ktsara should be meaning that the length of time that one should take take to say amen is as long as it takes me to say the three words kel melech neemon that Hashem is a faithful God or we we are faithful to Hashem as a God. So that the, the idea is over here an amen that's recited recited with a lack of patience that's disrespectful. And then the Chazal called that an amen ktsara. And Chazal teaches one who lengthens an Amin merits the lengthening of his years. Of course, it doesn't mean drawing it out super long. Oh, Amin, that's also not appropriate. That's not the correct way to say it. Amin should be said now. This is the one, one aspect that, that, that falls by the wayside many times, and that is this. The tone of voice in which Amin is supposed to be said. So the Gemara learned that when it says, Kishem Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I call out to Hashem, you should call out in the same tone as I gave as I gave forth. So however loud the shots 
or the person making the bracha made his bracha, that's how loud your amen should be. If what you're trying to do is to motivate the people around you to have more kavana, etc., then at times it may be appropriate to go a little bit louder. But certainly the amen should not be drowning out the person who made the bracha. That's certainly that's certainly not appropriate. Ideally, the amen should be at exactly the same level, exactly the same tone, exactly the same, the, same, uh, the voice should be modulated in the exact same way as the amen of the person that was saying was saying the bracha. That is the ideal way in which to make it. Okay, Meretz Hashem. Next week we'll complete. We'll finish off the 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 laws of. Um, Saying amen, and we'll go through the situations in which um, amen is not said, which are, which are actually more numerous than one might expect, and um, and then Mitzvah uh, Hashem will begin talking about um, uh, some more some more specific halachas that are that are more generic to brachas themselves, being mostly other people and helping other people to fulfill their obligation. How how is that done, and how does that work, Mitzvah Hashem? We'll continue with that next week. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night.